Anne, could you please come up? Can we pray for Anne? It's, it's lovely to, to be ministered by one of our prayer warriors. And um, just give them a big hand and just pray for the courage. What? It's not going to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. And we want to honor you for your prayers and for your faithfulness of serving the Lord. And we say thank you. We are learning and we grow from knowing what you are doing, teaching us whenever we are in tribulation, keep praying. That's what we are remind you all the time about. But it's a great thing that you can be able to preach in this morning. So can we all just stretch their hands and pray for Anne? Lord, we thank you for Anne. Lord, we pray that she can be a downpipe of spreading your gospel to us. I pray in Jesus' name, whatever she had to say, we may hear from you through Anne in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, you are amazing. And I love you, and I love everyone here in this body today, and I love your church. And what I, sh I share today, Lord, I just give back to you and thank you just for the blessing that you want to pour out on everyone today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sorry. <laughs> so I just want to share a little. 13 years ago, I bought this oil lamp on Masada, and it got broken in, the, in my suitcase coming home. So for 13 years, it's been lying in a packet in fragments. And I was just about to throw it out, and I thought, no, let me ask John if he can perhaps piece it together. He has got incredible patience when it comes to fixing broken things. So this oil lamp that was in now in fragments is now restored. And this is what they used in times gone by. The oil was poured in and the wick was lit. That's why we needed to know that the foolish virgins didn't take extra oil with them, so their lamps ran dry. But this is what they used in times gone by, these little earthenware lamps to, for light. So I just thought I wanted to share that to you. What was broken has been restored. And that is, is going to be much of my message today. For 12 years, I longed to know the love of God and the purpose of my life. But anyway, that's, that's another story. But so we're going to be looking at 
the beginning. <laughs> Especially in this world today, we need to be mindful of the beginning. God is love. That is fact. And faith, it is holy love. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And Eden means delight. It was beautiful, it was pure, it was holy, it was fragrant, it was filled with God life. Adam and Eve had intimacy, walking and talking with God in the Garden of Eden. And so God is beautiful. He, he, he is absolutely altogether lovely. He is beautiful. But then came the fall, and all that was beautiful became marred, horrid, ugly. Sin brought death and destruction. They were disobedient. They died. They believed the lie and chose knowledge and lost intimacy. They became separated from God. And so they were cast out of Eden and filled with shame. And the devil hasn't, hasn't changed his tactics. He still slanders God's character. He still he hates God absolutely and all that belongs to God. And he always tries to make out that God is mean and cruel and doesn't want us to have good things. Just as he said in the garden, has God said. So he makes us think that God isn't enough. God is everything to us. Adam and Eve, and Eve, Adam and Eve were full of the fullness of God. And so there they were cast out of the garden of Eden and God, in his mercy, clothed them, but also he promised to send them a savior. And in, you'll find that in Genesis 3.15, and that speaks of Jesus, where Satan would, oh, I can't remember it offhand now, but anyway... <laughs> And even Satan, he was the most beautiful archangel. He really was, and he stood in the presence of God until iniquity was found in him. He became proud. And so the promise of Genesis became fulfilled with Jesus in the fullness of time. In Luke 4, verse 16, so Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is still the year of God's favor over us. And that scripture was fulfilled because Jesus did all those things in his earthly ministry. And Jesus paid the price for restoration and still loves the world. Then we see that actually Jesus was the the fulfillment of a prophecy of Isaiah nearly 700 years prior to that. And in Isaiah chapter 61, it's a very favorite chapter of mine, the first few verses speak of his first coming, and the 4 to 11 speak of his second coming where Israel will be totally restored. And so we see that Jesus came to restore what was lost and broken. He took humanity's death on the cross to give God life. Jesus is the essence of life. He is the great I am. I am for whatever our needs are. He is the I am. And so it says here again, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, as I have read in, in Luke. It's the same, it's the same thing. But then he goes on in chapter in verse three. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so there was mourning. There was mourning for, the, for lostness, for, for darkness, for, for hopelessness. But what did Jesus say? He, get, he gives us joy for the mourning. And ashes, what are ashes? Ashes are dead, no life, no substance. They're gray and horrid. What is beautiful now ashes? And we see in the Old Testament, often when they had sorrow and suffering, they used to put dust and ashes over their heads and sit and, and mourn. But God in Jesus came to restore and restores all who turn to him in obedience to his call. And so that verse is so beautiful. Feast on it for yourself and make it real in your own life. I have. So Jesus fulfilled that prophecy in his, old, in his, his earthly ministry. He gives, Jesus gives, not man. He gives beauty, joy, 
his joy. He endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He joys over us, and you'll find that in Zephaniah 3.17. And then the garment of praise. There is such power in praise. And I know that from my own experience. I've praised when I've been helpless. I've praised when my heart has been broken. I've praised when it's just needful to be praised, to praise. The devil hates praise and worship. And no matter what is happening around you, no matter what your circumstances are, Jesus is worthy of our praise and worship, always. And it's by our wills and not what we feel. If, if we don't, usually if we don't feel like praising, that's the best time to praise. And so praise also dispels heaviness. Because it takes your eyes off of what is causing your heaviness or maybe what you don't even know what's causing your heaviness and puts it on Jesus. So there's power in actually being helpless because then we can't do anything, but God can. And so always, always be praising because Jesus is worthy of our praise. And then trees of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. Trees are seen and they are known by their fruit. Bear the fruit of godly righteousness, starting in your own home. And so wherever God has planted you, stay. Whatever situation you're in, stay. It is his planting and he needs you in that planting. Unless, of course, it's a desperate, life-threatening situation. Because actually, God, God needs peace. If, if you plant it in a situation, there must also be peace. You must bring peace to that situation. And that planting of the Lord actually brings purpose to your life. So you know that God has put you in that place. And it says in 1 Corinthians 7.20, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And then verse 24, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. And then in John 15, 8, it says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And often our lives are planting must be who we are and no, not so much as what we say. Who we are more than our words. When, when God wants us to speak, he will prompt us. But who we are actually speaks louder than what we say. And he plants us not in only situations and circumstances. He plants us in his body. He plants us in himself. We become now in him, in Christ Jesus. And that is just so 
so wonderful, actually. And then the, the last chapter of Isaiah, well, the second last verse in Isaiah 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And so you see, that's how God sees us, covered over with Jesus, covered over in righteousness, covered over with beauty. And we need to know that, that we are greatly loved by God, that we must live lives of love. We must live lives loved. And so I, I encourage you, there are many rich treasures in that, in that scripture. Go and, and make them yours. It is a journey, a journey of growing into the fullness of life. And what Trevor said last week really touched me. He said, it's a journey that goes on into eternity. So we've got all of eternity to know more of Jesus and his love for us. It's a journey into God life. And then this whole chapter is actually about prayer. I asked John if he could fix that thing. We need to ask God to touch those that are broken, to touch those that are wounded, to restore them. It says in Psalm 23, he restoreth. He restores my soul. And God, God loves to restore, but he waits for us to call on his name, to hear our, our, our voices saying, crying out to him. We need to pray for ourselves, for others. There are many hurting, broken people out there in the world. And God, through our prayers, wants to touch and to restore, heal. And it's for his sake, for his kingdom. Distance is no problem. What we pray here reaches the world over. And, and, and by his Holy Spirit, God can reveal to us situations and circumstances wherever that he needs, that we need to pray for. So really this whole chapter is about and, God, and Jesus came. He came to restore. He came to bring us back into the Garden of Eden. He came to, to fill us back with all his fullness. And so we can pray. We can pray for nations too. How we need to be praying, praying for nations these days. He's, they are captive. They are captive to the lies and deceptions of the evil one. And what did he say in that verse? He came to set the captives free. And remember, Jesus was in the synagogue when he preached that word. So he was talking to his Jewish brethren. We always need to remember that Jesus is Jewish, That's, that Israel is his called-out nation, that Israel is his covenant nation, that Israel is the nation to which he will return. And so in all the darkness and deception and lies and attack that's going on, may we remember that God Almighty is still God and he is watching over his, his world.
And all the first believers were Jewish believers. And, and God in His grace actually brought the Gentiles into His kingdom. So now we become one. And the rest of the chapter is the prophecy for Israel. And it's beautiful to see how it will be restored. And we must remember, well, I need to remember, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Negatives and criticisms and judgment, they don't come from God. So resist them because they would rob you of your joy. Beware of what robs you of your joy. Jesus joys over us, and so his joy must be our joy and our strength. The world needs light. It needs love. It needs forgiveness. The world needs to know, even as God said to Moses, I am that I am has sent you. Jesus is the I am for every one of our needs because he's ever present. He can never, ever be anywhere. And then another favorite scripture. Learn the scripture off by heart. It's very important to actually learn it by heart so you start to live it because even... I know Derek Prince and other people said, speak the word over your life, speak until it becomes part of your very life. And now this one is a very precious scripture. Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6. Now unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And what do kings do? Kings conquer and kings overcome. And what do priests do? Priests intercede and they minister to other people. So God has called us to be both kings and priests, overcomers and intercessors. And we don't do this on our own. God provides all what we need to, to do what he has called us to do. So it's not in our own strength. It's walking and talking with God every day. And don't say, oh, I can't pray. If you can talk, you can pray. Because it's really just talking to God and seeking what's on his heart. And so that's really my, my message for today. Let's pray. Let's bless one another. And if we all, we've all been wounded, we've all been damaged in some way or the other. And if there's anyone who feels that they would just need a touch from God, maybe it's just a love touch. Come. Let's, let's bless one another. Let's pray. Let's, 
Let's be filled with hope and glory in these dark days in which we live because it's tough out there. I mean, I'm very cocooned, but I can just imagine it's very tough out there and hard possibly for many people to stay strong and firm in the truth of who God is. And God is a beautiful God. He's not a, 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 a he's not cruel and harsh and watching over you like a judge to, to discipline you at any time and give you good. He's not that. He's a God of love. He's a God of love. Yes, he disciplines, but for our goodness and our wholeness. He's not a mean God. And he's a God. And always, always, we have a choice. You see, God gave Adam and Eve choice. If he hadn't given them choice, the enemy would have accused him of manipulating him and controlling them. But God still gives us choice. Every day, there are choices to be made. And it's either life or it's death. If we choose to be forgiving, that's life. If we choose to harbor resentment, that will bring us into darkness. So God is our great God. God is our, our I am. God is a God of all comfort. And so be blessed today. Be blessed in just taking his love and wrapping it around you and knowing that he walks with you. He cares for you. He wants you. Sometimes more than we want him, I think. <laughs> but he wants us and he wants his church to be the light shining to these days. And so let's speak out. Let's speak out the truth of God's word. You know, when I was born again, this Bible became my love letter from God. And that's nearly 40 years ago. And I still see deeper. We cannot get to the, the, the depth of God's well of salvation. It's always more. It's always deeper. It's more of a revelation of who he is and, and the wonder of himself. And so we have a God who is God Almighty watches over us every day. So please come. If anyone would like some prayer, I'd love to pray for you. <laughs> so Lord, I thank you that nothing, nothing is ever wasted that is, that, is, that, is, that is given to you, Jesus. Thank you that your word will never return to you void. Thank you, Lord, that we have a hope and a future of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What, what beauty we have to look forward to, Lord. And actually, we actually see it around us. If we, if we open our eyes, we can see God's glory and beauty around us. Because creation speaks to us in every little detail. Everything that exists is known because of its existence. And so we can rejoice in God and give him all the praise and honor and glory today and love one another. Thank you, Lord.